today we're going to uh, talk about lust. Um, real evidence about life, but we're going to talk about lust today. You know, I was a pastor for 13 years and I preached a lot of sermons. The most downloaded sermon from my website ever in the history of my website was the sermon on lust. So I got this idea that people are interested in the subject of lust. Although they may not want to show up at a seminar entitled Lust because people might think something about them, but you guys don't feel that way. I don't want you all to leave right now. But I know, I know that later on, I know that later on probably people will come to the website and more people will listen to this than maybe even the other seminars because a lot of people uh, struggle with lust. Uh, now there's good news and bad news. There's good lust and bad lust. The Bible talks about lusting after the Spirit. Um, and uh, then there's, there's, of course, bad, which is uh, lusting after the flesh. So let's pray together, and then we will begin. All right, if anybody comes to pick up that chair, tell them to stop, because it looks like somebody had uh, an accident on the chair, so they may not want to sit on it. Let's pray together and uh, ask the Lord to be with us. Father in heaven, we're thankful today uh, that we can spend a few moments together here in Fresno, and we want to glow for you. We want to light our world, but we're often driven to be busy and hurried when we really have not spent time with you and uh, allowed you to cleanse our lives and hearts, so we we, we can't really make our influence felt in a skeptical world unless we're connected to you. So we want to be connected to you, and I hope that there'll be some practical aspect here that would really help not just the people listening, but even me, myself. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. All right. Moral impurity and pornography are all around us. Um... It's worse in some parts of the world, but it's getting worse here. I mean, when you're in Scandinavia and some places of Asia and different things, you'll have huge billboards of, of naked bodies and different things. And so I, a couple of years ago, I was asked to, to move to Norway and, and, and work there, but I just couldn't put my kids in that environment because it was so overt. But it's becoming more that way here. It's all around us. It's on the billboards. It's on magazines. It's in, it's in, uh, in movies. It's in theaters. And, you know, certain theaters will focus exclusively on feeding lust. And, uh, you know, an R movie or something like that, or even PGs now, they basically gauge it on the explicit nature and uh, of the things that would elicit a lust response. And I believe that these places, and even the internet, we could term those as what the Bible called high places, where the prophets of Baal and all those different people that went to worship there would couple their religion with uh, immorality. Um, you may not know this, but in the temples that surrounded the Hebrew temple, and in the ancient cultures, and they would have many of the same uh, parts of the service of the sanctuary, but they would meet someone who uh, would be their, uh, their companion, who was not their spouse, and they would go through the entire 
time of religion, supposedly, and then they would they would culminate that with uh, with uh, becoming uh, like husband and wife as a result of the religious ceremony. So the Hebrew temple and the Hebrew culture t stood out as completely different than that. Where there was immorality all around, they were moral. And um, they were reminded that they were people of the covenant uh, from way back when Abraham had his name changed from Abram to Abraham. And he was circumcised at that time. And God chose that part of his body to help him remember that even that is a, to express covenant relationship with God and with his spouse and to have a faith-filled experience with God, right? And, uh, you know, so we live surrounded by all of these different things. And I want to say this as well. None of you in this room can trust your heart That's because right. the heart is desperately wicked. That's right. And you can't say, all right, on my own, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beat this thing. I'm going to live in this culture. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't trust your heart. And um, we're also surrounded by wrong relationships and wrong friendships. And I think that there are people that prey on young people. And I think there are people that prey on old people. And I think that uh, unless you're connected with the Lord, uh, you're going to have someone that approaches you and tries to, 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 to make uh, the temptations real in your life. So is this a big deal? Um, it's a big enough deal, I guess, for you folks to come here. But there's several texts that I'll look at with you. Uh, Proverbs 5, 8 through 14. Proverbs 7, 22 and 23. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 through 7. And let's look at those. Here's the first one. Proverbs 5, 8 through 13. Proverbs 5, 8 through 13. Now, I don't know if they're going to have a website associated with this, but I'll probably put this presentation in PDF form up on my website, afco.org, and then go down under that training section and you'll see a place uh, that says training. You'll find Macintosh notes. What will you find? <laughs> Macintosh. Macintosh notes. And I'll put, I'll, I'll put that up. And, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> AFCO.com. So, he, uh, I'll put that up in PDF form. Now, let's go through these texts. Yes, brother. Is it AV or AF? Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism. Uh, maybe Amazing Vaccination if we did the V, but we, it's Amazing Facts. Proverbs 5, 8 through 13. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner and you mourn at last when your flesh and body are consumed. This proverb was talking about being involved with someone that was a prostitute or in harlotry. And it was saying that you're, you're spending your wealth, in other words, your, uh, your vital forces for something that's not related to your future. And ultimately it leads to what? Flesh and body being what? Consumed, Consumed and destroyed. 
So is this relevant today? Have we seen any examples of people losing their wealth and everything else as a result of being involved in sexual immorality recently? Uh, maybe you've heard about this situation uh, with you know this particular celebrity. And he uh, had a very public fall, some of which we don't know is true or not, but it really teaches you whether or not all those things are true, that everybody jumps on the bandwagon and they will leave you high and dry and try and take all your wealth and take everything away from you, right? And I think that uh, it's one of the major lessons of this time. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that happening in such a public way should give us pause as well. Continuing with the verse, and you say, how I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. This particular celebrity that we were talking about when he was a young man, his mother tried to drill into his brain not to do that. And these are the reports. It says, I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. <laughs> Now, you know, when you get involved in this, it can be a very embarrassing thing, and you want to just go away and hide and never maybe see anybody else again, and you might even want to end your life. In fact, some people have that concern about this particular celebrity we're talking about or just alluding to today as an illustration. Haven't seen him in months. And the devil wants you to get so discouraged and so down and out as a result of not having victory over the flesh that you believe there's no way out he wants you to kill yourself. That's right. And uh, I want to just tell you that, that God doesn't want you to do that. No matter what you've done, there's going to be hope. Amen. And I better keep going or we won't get to it. So how dangerous can this be? Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of stocks until an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to its snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Have you ever watched these feedlots, how they have the cattle go? And they have them go, they don't even know that they're going to die. And they put them on a maze, right? And then they go around and it gets darker and darker. They don't want them to stampede or anything. And then boom, that big thing hits their head and they're, they're slaughtered. And, they're, and they're, they try and, and, and I don't know how they did it back in Bible times. But the whole idea was they tried to do it in a way that it seemed like it wasn't any big deal, but it cost them their lives. So how does God relate to this? First Thessalonians 4, 4 through 7, each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So there's a difference between someone who is just a goyim, of a, a Gentile, and those who are of God. One is sanctified and one is unsanctified. No one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such. We also forewarned you and testified. Now, it talked about possessing his own vessel. Some people think that means the individual's body themselves. Some people think it means their wife, depending on the passage and whatnot. But just put it this way, if you're messing around with somebody who ultimately is not going to be your wife, that's somebody else's wife. Yes or no? Yes. 
And if you're messing around with somebody that's not your husband, then that's going to be somebody else's, right? So you got to just remember that. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to what does it say? Holiness. So is it any big deal? Yes. Proverbs 5, 8 through 14 says you're going to get sick. If you get involved, Proverbs 7, we're just summarizing 7, 22 and 23, you may get killed. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 through 7, the Lord will avenge. In other words, he's not just going to let it go. Don't think, oh, he'll just let it go. So what is the promise for the victorious? Now, why in the world am I talking about this at a glow conference? Because I want you guys to glow, all right, with, uh, with, with moral purity. And I also might say, we do a lot of door-to-door -door stuff at, at AFCO. And you know, this last year, we had two young ladies that went to a door and this guy was completely involved in pornography and stuff. And he, he tried to, you know, uh, make the moves on them and stuff. And you got to know uh, when to go and when to glow and when not to go and when not to glow. Amen. Amen. So this whole idea is possessing your vessel in holiness and sanctification. Then notice these texts. Preserve peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Remember this morning says that we will see his face and we'll see the light. We, we talked about that, right? But look at this. Rejoice ye pure in heart because blessed are the pure in heart for they shall what? See God. So purity of heart allows us to see God and when we see God and we savor God when we're so satisfied with him you know, God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in Him. Amen. Okay? When we see that, uh, we may not even have some glow tracks with us, but we'll be glowing and people will be drawn to that light. Amen. We'll become an epistle that's known and read by all men. In other words, we'll become a glow track. We won't just hand one out. We'll be one. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's really... Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, both are important. Um, but how many of you like to not only be glowing with your tracks, but glowing as a person? So there are three main battlefields. There's the mind. Satan will say, go ahead and look or do. The spirit will say, don't. The actions, um, and those actions, if we decide to go ahead and do something we shouldn't, the Bible set talks about giving place to the devil in the book of Matthew. And that word place is from the word topos, which means to, we use, we get, uh, topography from that, you know, this whole idea of we're giving up some ground, we're surrendering ground. And when you do give place to the, to the devil, he tries and take more and more. He wants to take over your whole place. And uh, he'll, the demons will get into your life and uh, those actions then lead to habits um, and that leads to bondage. And there's a lot of people today in bondage to many different things. And they many, they're, they're called warring lusts in the Bible. And it can be appetite, it can be sex, it can be media. Some people, some of you guys are addicted to iPhones and messaging and to all those kind of things. You really are. And you know, I, I know how that is too. I went on vacation, I was off the grid, and in the first couple of days you go, man, you're looking at your stuff and you, you know, you're, nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Need to go off grid. Okay, begin a war. Now, this I'm going to give you now some practical things. When you are dealing with this issue, you got to remember these things. Begin a war that begin a war that has already been won, 
and needs to be claimed. Uh, I want to I stress that. I believe God has already won the battle for you. Amen. And why do I say that? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's already won the battle that you're in going to encounter or encountering. He has the victory. I say praise the Lord for that. Amen. Number two, but realize that even though he's won the battle, it still is a battle. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Strive to enter the narrow gate. In other words, he's got that battle, but you, it's a co-partnership, not that you're doing anything that's going to save you, but you have to allow. You know all those times where it talks about the camel, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. you remember that passage? And you remember that there were the eye gates there in Jerusalem, and the camels would, they could go through the eye gate, but they had to take everything off. And, and then they could go through the eye gate, and then they could put everything back on. That's interesting. So, realize it's a battle. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, so in the Lord, His might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So, um, realize it's a battle and, and prepare. Now, you know, all, uh, just behind almost everything, the devil is trying to set landmines and snipers in the area of lust. I mean, you can look on a Facebook site and these pages come up next to you and you're going. And uh, it, it's just like all over the place. And you know, some people, uh, some people dress in a way that draws attention to them. That may, that, that uh, I think the biggest temptation sometimes for people is to be lusted after. And we talk about lust, but other people have this problem they lust being lusted after. They dress in a way that attracts attention. Now, that doesn't excuse you for looking and lingering and longing and whatever you're doing that starts with an L. But that's their problem too, yes or no? Yes. And when you're going glowing door to door, you want people interested in the gospel. Amen. Not in you. Amen? And this is practical. You get yourself in trouble real fast. And, and not just uh, young ladies, uh, young men as well. So the battle then is for the mind. Um, do not be conformed, or as it says in the Phillips translation, squeezed into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the Lord. So it's a mind battle. So, some practical things then. If, if you want to have victory, uh, begin with fasting and confession. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, you know, you can have a fast of, of different things, but in, in the Bible, fasting is a subject I'm not going to fully study here, but is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free. There's something about fasting that can lead to the loosing of the bonds of wickedness. Now, I was just with Dr. Nedley in Bakersfield, and I heard him answering questions about fasting. 
and one of the things that he brought out that I haven't read the study but will, is that when you fast, your melatonin production will go up. Your brain actually gets rejuvenated and you have more spep, uh, uh, pep in your step and spunk in your trunk and your eyes are popping, your jaws dropping and you're, you know, you, you, are, you are more able mentally to be sharper. So there's a physical aspect to it uh, that leads to the ability to be loosed from a bond. I, I say also, if you're going to pick one meal to fast, let it be supper. There are double dual addictions to lust. If you have a high fatty meal, if you have an alcoholic drink, if you have certain heavy foods that are spicy and whatnot, guess what? It breaks down the mental ability and then leads to the secondary issue. This is why people will say, can I buy you a drink? Are you with me? Let's go out to eat. And depending on what is is, is, is being eaten or usually it's a high fatty meal and that will directly reduce the ability of your frontal lobe to say no. Well, alcohol, I don't need to explain to you. Commit to have Christ wash your brain. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in who? God. In God for the pulling down of strongholds. You can't even pull them down. I mean, God's got to pull them down. And a stronghold, what's that mean? It's a hold that got strong. And uh, through repetitive action, right? Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against a knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Another translation says, casting down imaginations. <laughs> you know, it's idolatry. It's an image that becomes an imagination, you know. Um, so images that we see sometimes can be a problem too. So have, commit to having him wash your head. And the water of the washing of the word. This is a cerebral lavage. This is a, a, a stent put in your head. And uh, a divine dopamine drip of the word. Amen. So replace the devil's strongholds then with God's strongholds um, is the picture. Psalm 18.1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Isn't that a great song? Yes. I love you, O Yahweh, L, all capital, L, L, like L-O-R-D is always Yahweh, the judge. I love you, O judge, my strength. The, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my what? Strongholds. What does it say in Corinthians? Casting down strongholds and replacing those strongholds with the strongholds of the Lord. Amen. Right? We need habits. We need actions. We need thoughts that are the Lord's. And, and when we get the others in our mind, that's a stronghold. It needs to be broken down and replaced. So... Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Right? So he said, look, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And he said, I'm going to look away instead of the look on a young woman. Now, you, I'll give you something else practical, ladies and men. 
When you go to the beach and you see these guys with sunglasses on, there's a reason they're wearing sunglasses. And it's not because of the sun. It's because they want to look at you without you seeing them look at them. They want to lust without being seen. Well, not every man's like that, but a lot of them are. So don't dress in a way that, that even uh, has them do that. Yes or no? Am I onto something here? Okay, I'm just trying to make it plain. Remember, Samson had his eyes gouged out. He didn't make a covenant with his eyes that really was a good one. So ultimately, he spent all his wealth and everything on who he chose. And it got him into a lot of trouble. And ultimately, his eyes were gouged out. Make a contract. God, my eyes are yours. I want them to see what you want them to see, when you want them to see, and how you want them to see it. Amen? Amen. So how do we control our eyes? A couple hints. Be on alert. Ready alert for warfare. One guy told me that, uh, you know, he, he took his, his family with him, and, and, and the ladies in his family were, they were kind of like the lust police. And he had a problem with it. He just told his family, he says, look, I just have this problem. And whenever they'd see someone that was dressing in a way that would probably be a problem, they'd say, look to the left, Dad, look to the left. <laughs> Don't look to the right. <laughs> uh, sounds kind of funny, but how many think that's a, kind of actually a beautiful picture, that there could be that transparency? Remember that the devil is a roaring lion, and uh, he's, trying to, he's trying to devour you. Uh, seeking whom he may devour. So you got to be alert. And you got to have this idea. Another idea is to quote scripture and uh, give your thoughts to God. Pick a word and say it when the temptation comes. I think one great word is help. <laughs> help me, Lord. And, you know, the brain really can't do two things at once. People try and tell me that they multitask. <laughs> no, they don't. The brain is like sequential. It doesn't have that ability. So if you say, oh, I'm going to do my instant messaging, you know, they've shown in offices where there's instant messenger that productivity goes down by 50%. They say that the online organization is the ineffective organization because they have all of these different things that are interrupting them. So, um, in other words, when you say a word... It gets your, your brain can't focus on two things at once. So you go, help me, Lord, and you go through your whole thing, and your brain has to focus on that and can't focus on the other thing. You understand what I'm saying? That's why it's powerful. Now, I was reading a book recently uh, by Jeffrey Schwartz, a neuroscientist, just in my, you know, devotional time. And uh, uh, I like to read a book on the brain each year so that I can, you know, appear smart. So as I was reading it... <laughs> reading this, I found something that was very... Why are you guys laughing about that? I, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I found something that was very fascinating. Which is, of course, why I put it on this slide. And that is that at every... In your brain, in your thoughts, there's what's called a readiness potential that's unconscious. You're not even conscious of it, but you're ready to do something. And before you even do it, your brain has thought about it and prepared you to do that very thing. 
right? Long before you're aware of it, well, not that long, like what, 100, 200, 350 milliseconds, right? So there's a thousand milliseconds in a second. So in other words, it's 350th of a second, right? And you're thinking, and you don't even know you're thinking it. Maybe some of you are thinking right now, I'm gonna give Don a thousand dollars, right? <laughs> Maybe you're thinking that. And you don't even know you're thinking it. I'm just kidding you. Okay, so anyway, got this. <laughs> so you got this unconscious, you got this unconscious potential, right? Readiness potential. But then, this is important, I think, in understanding uh, this idea of saying something and stopping the erroneous thought. Then there comes conscious awareness. And you only have, what's it look like there? 150, 200, maybe 300 uh, uh, milliseconds left before the action is going to occur. So here you go, uh, freight tank, you know, let's say it's a lustful thought, uh, but then you're aware of it, and then you only have this much time to bring it into it. But experiments have shown that a person can choose not to perform a movement that was on the cusp of occurring and that was preceded by a large readiness potential. In other words, just because the freight train is going towards the abyss and it's gonna go over, when you find out God has given you air brakes on your freight train and you can stop it before it goes over the edge. How many can say hallelujah to that? You know, what, you know what that is? That's, the Bible calls it, that book that David was talking about today where it talks about the origin of sin, right? Patriarchs and prophets and all that, the, all that. It's called the gift of enmity. And it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, this gift is the gift of freedom of choice. That even though this desire to do, to do wrong is off so strong, God is the ruler yet, the hymn says. In other words, I'm going down here, but it doesn't have to. Boom. I can possess my own vessel with holiness because of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Right? So, in other words, your free will can say, okay, I see that coming. It's appropriate. I'm going to go for it. That's my wife. I'm going to kiss her. And the ubiquitous ori muscles in the state of partial contraction occurs. <laughs> and we have a kiss. But for you, maybe that's not appropriate. Amen? You like that, didn't you? Ubiculus ori muscles. <laughs> now, here's the other side of that. To refrain, to refrain from an act is no less an act than to commit an act. How many think that's interesting? In other words, you say, I won't. That's also an act. I will. That's an act. So what you really have is free won't and free will. How many of you are thankful for free won't? How many of you are thankful for free will? And praise God, he gives us this, right? And the way we can strengthen it according to the Spirit is through the washing of the water of his word. How many think this is practical? Is this practical enough for you? Right? So, um, how do we control our eyes? How can we do this? In other words, you know, say a word, help! Peter said, help me, Lord, I'm sinking, right? Um... I, this when stop smoking programs. I remember I had this 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 lady who was teaching me how to teach stop smoking programs, and she had this idea. Ernest, 
she said, what you need to do is give people a rubber band. And I said, did you lose your coconut? What do you mean, rubber band? So I'd give a big, thick rubber band to these people, and whenever they had the temptation to smoke, we'd teach them to snap that rubber band. Boom! Ow! they go. But their mind then would do, go down an algorithm. Then eat your celery sticks, you know. <laughs> Then think about your mother-in-law, no, or whatever it was, you know, so, and you go down that list of things, and by the time you were doing that, that urge to smoke was gone, right? Once I was driving in Wichita, Kansas, and I'd done a smoking uh, cessation thing like five or six years before, and I came next to this intersection, and this guy was just waving at me, <laughs> and I was like, you know, because, you know, I didn't know, I didn't think I knew who he was, and then he realized I, I didn't really recognize him, having a little momentary uh, senior moment. So he takes his sleeve down and he shows me there's a big rubber van there. I said, hey, it's Paul. Still was working for him, okay? But here's another one. Have a prayer target, a prayer target. Uh, um, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You ever want to pray for an Adventist minister? Just pray for victory over lust. You want to pray for David Asterix? Say, give him victory over lust. You pray for Mark Fennig? Give him victory over lust. Pray for each other like that. And, and, and then you begin punishing the devil when he's tempting you. Oh, God. You know, you start praying. For so pick a, pair, a prayer tar target. Amen? Are you with me? Now, here's another one that recently I've been thinking about. It's called the Thanksgiving defense. Here's the Thanksgiving defense. If God has already won the victory, if God has already come in human flesh and won the victory on your behalf, then I think we need to think a lot more about that and thank Him for the very victory that He had that we're encountering right now. And my idea is, 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 is I think, founded in Scripture. I was preaching this, uh, this last Thanksgiving, and, and I was thinking about this whole thing. When did Jesus give thanks? Before or after the loaves and the fishes were handed out? When did Jesus give thanks? Before or after Lazarus was raised from the dead? When did Jesus give thanks? Before or after the communion service that he would eat and drink it new with them in the kingdom? In other words, even though in his flesh he didn't know whether or not that was going to happen, by faith he gave thanks for it. Amen. So I wanted to just say to you that if we start giving thanks to the Lord for the victory, I think there's some power there. You know, the Advent movement says we give you thanks because you took your great power and reigned in the time of the dead that they should be raised and judged. Remember that? So even the Advent movement, the sounding of the seventh trumpet begins with a thanksgiving call. And I want to just say, I believe that you, you don't have the victory, but he has it for you, so thank him for it. And, and, and turn the temptation into a praise service. This will punish the devil. Amen? So, here's a text, another one. Look at this. Look at this. This is great. Fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. By the way, always related, right? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Right? Let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. But what do you put in all the place of these? But rather... 
What does it say? Giving thanks. How many think this is a powerful defense? And so I want to just tell you that this, this has helped me so many times. Because for, for often we try and say, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it myself. You're not going to do it. But you can thank God for doing it. And when you do it, don't just say, I've had victory. He didn't have the victory. He had the victory through you and in you. It's his victory. Amen. Amen. It's now yours. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Pride goes before a fall. Here's another one. Ask the, the women God has placed in your life, the women God has placed in your life. Some of you have women in your life God did not place there. Don't ask them. <laughs> ask the women God has placed in your life to protect you. Amen. Right? Uh, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she's old. You know, my wife is very helpful to me. She says, you know, aisle number three, that lady is out to get you. I'm like, how do you know this? I know. You know, she's, and you just listen to her. You just go, all right. Okay. Right? There's another. My son, give me your, your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit and the seductress a narrow well. She lies in wait for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Now these are moms talking to their, their boys and these are, these are godly women. Uh, I think we need mothers in Israel. I had some mothers in Israel in my church and they would, just, they would, they would take care of this business. They see someone a little cozy cozy. Mm -mm. And went over and, you know, I'd send them in the special forces. I'd say, hey, they already knew. They'd go in and they'd, you know, the mothers in Israel, they'd deliver the head over the wall. <laughs> Clunk. <laughs> so, though, but I think, you know, these, uh, this idea of saying a word, a prayer target, the, the godly women in your life. Here's another one. Are these practical things? Amen. Um... You, by, by the way, it's another practical reason. I'm, I'm trying to uh, tell you the practical reasons here because Nelson wants me to you know, make sure you know practical things. When you go out handing out glow tracks door to door and stuff, you got to get this in your mind because there's people waiting for you. Yes or no? Yes. Holy Spirit's most effective weapon. Oh, by the way, just tell you a little story here um, before I get to the most effective weapon. And that is, you know, they did a study at casinos. And they saw all the things that baffle men's brains. And they want them to be so confused that they'll lose more money. And so they have people in those places that have 99% off on their clothes. And they try and get them, you know, everybody looking away and it so confuses the mind. You understand what I'm saying? They did a study. I, I take the flight to Las Vegas often. Not to gamble, you know, I'm headed somewhere else. <laughs> and on the flight to Las Vegas, everybody's happy. I mean, they're like kind of a stupid happy. You know, like they're going there and they're stupid. Well, I'll talk to them and say, what are you going to do? We're going to go gamble. I said, gamble? <laughs> Could I have some money? I asked him for money. I said, I'd need $1,000. <laughs> well, what do you mean you need $1,000? I said, well, actually, I need 2000 I said, well, wh why do you think we would give you money? I said, you're, you're willing to lose it. I can guarantee you, you give me the money, it'll have eternal dividends. 
because I'm going to put it into the work of the kingdom of God. So if I could have 10,000, I'd appreciate it. I figure if I can pressure them on the way to Las Vegas, they're going to lose it anyway. Amen? I don't care if they don't like me. I want the pictures of the dead presidents before they're buried again. But then I noticed on the way out of Las Vegas, it's always a different mood on the plane. <laughs> Sitting next to this guy and he's like, <laughs> and you know, it's not funny. I mean, they, the guy just lost his whole house and he has to go home and tell his wife. And he's reading this magazine that I just am telling you the information from. You know what the magazine said about Las Vegas, the safest place in a casino is? The bathroom. But even that's dangerous, you gotta go walk through it to get there. All right, so back to my now, my point. The Holy Spirit's most effective weapon is thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Would you say that's an effective weapon? Hi, guys. Yeah, good to see you. I like this text. Set your mind on things above, not on earth, for you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, but you died. And your life was hidden with Christ and God. Isn't that a powerful thing? Amen. So as you're looking up, you really can't look across and out. You're, you're setting your mind above. And then I like this other one. Flee fornication. The Greek word is pornea. That sounds like a very interesting word, doesn't it? Flee it. Flee it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Um, so important. Did you want that up there a little bit more? 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. Okay, let me keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Remove provisions for defeat. What time is it? When am I supposed to, when am I supposed to be over? Oh, I better keep talking. <laughs> Remove provisions for defeat. Make no provision for the flesh. Um... And I talked about this already a little bit. Primary and secondary sources. Some music you listen to sets you up. Just by its very rhythm. And that sometimes gets in the church. You know, uh, it's crazy. Now, I believe in drums in church. Eardrums. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I think, aside from eardrums, you know, kind of overdo it a bit. Music can, can, can really lead you astray. And food, like I told you, high fatty foods and, and some of those spicy foods and different things, they set you up and you have a secondary uh, thing that kicks in. Um, you know, it, 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 let me tell you why. Maybe a little physiology, although I'm not a physiologist. But... When you eat a cheese pizza, say, have you ever had a cheese pizza or know somebody that's eaten one? And you eat that, say, five, six o'clock at night, that cheese goes into your system and it blocks the receptor sites so that your insulin can't help the sugar get in. So the in can't get in, insulin, <laughs> it's out. And that blood sugar goes up and that blood sugar stays up for three, four, five, six hours. And when your blood sugar's up, you can't really think as effectively, and you're more open to, to making bad decisions. This is why sometimes when you 
if you want your friends to do worse on the test than you, slip them a cheese pizza the night before and give them a Snickers bar in the morning and you'll probably do better on the test. And they'll think you're a nice person. You learned it on Audioverse. No, don't do that. You understand. Don't do that. Don't do that. But do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and uh, I'm just telling you. These, are, these, these lead to a lasting of ability to say no. And here's another one. Be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. I mean, even giving a lecture like this is fraught with a little difficulty because I don't want to educate you in areas you haven't even thought about, perhaps. But I do think that today it's pretty much out there and you all are all struggling with it or maybe know someone that is. That's why you're here to help them. Psalm 101, verse 3. Set no evil thing before the eyes. I mean, come on. That sounds like a pretty relevant text, doesn't it? Oh, it's no big deal. I just looked at it. Here's the problem with that. I should put this slide in for the next session. There's what's called mirror neurons in the brain. Mm -hmm. And mirror neurons will fire in the same area where the, if you did the real action, the same area of the brain would fire as if you had done it. In other words, by looking at it, that same section of the brain fires that if you had done the very act. That's why Jesus said, if you look to a woman to lust, you've, you've committed adultery in your heart. He means in your head. And that same area of the brain is doing it. And the more you do that, temptations from without, find an answering cord from within, Ellen White says, and the feet turn irresistibly towards evil. So set no evil thing. Realize that winning a war means fighting many battles. And don't give up if you stumble once. I mean, life is a series of interrupted falls. Right now, I could fall. But I put my foot out. And I put my foot out. Amen? And so life is that series of, inter un of interrupted falls. And I need, we need to keep our focus. And, you know, if I, you know the old illustration, if I had a, a mop and I was trying to balance it, how would I balance it? By looking at the base or the top? Set your mind on things above, not on earth. Right? And I'm looking up. I'm looking to him. He's helping me. Don't give up. Number 12, live in the presence of God. Amen. If you want to glow, then live in the presence of God. A man's heart plans his way, but God directs his steps. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I... Do this great witness and sin against God. Joseph said, look, I'm living in the presence of God. It's not about you, lady. It's about God. I'm living in the presence of God. Amen. And number 13, use temptations as springboards for spiritual insights and reaffirmations. What do I mean by that? Whenever you have a temptation, you say, praise God. It reminds me I'm forgiven. It reminds me of the blood of Jesus. It reminds me that he's had victory over every temptation. It reminds me that I'd like to rededicate my life. It reminds me that I want to see God face to face. And I want to see him being pure in heart. And when you do that, you begin punishing the devil in the very area where he was trying to take you down. And you know what the devil will do? Resist the devil. And he'll flee. He goes, man, it's too costly it's too costly to tempt Derek in that area because he starts praying for all those people. He starts quoting all those texts and I'm going to tempt someone else. I'm going to tempt someone else. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Be accountable for your eyes, your thoughts, your deeds. Each of us shall give an account of himself to God, the Bible says. Now, let me just say this. It might not hurt if you have someone to ask you the following questions, these types of questions. How many would like notes of this at some point? You can get them on the website. I'll mention again. At the end, I'll put them up. Did you spend time alone with God this week? Have you been faithfully meditating on at least one verse of Scripture? Have you been reading your glow track? Have you looked at anything that you know God would not want you to look at? Have you committed any actions that God would consider wrong or immoral? And have you been completely truthful with your answers? <laughs> I'm not sure that you should confess this kind of thing to everybody because there's a chapter in the uh, uh, Testimonies, Volume 5, that says, Erroneous and True Confession. Sometimes people can manipulate you if they know what your struggles are. You've got to be careful with this. But I do think it's wise to be held accountable. Amen? So let me just review. Begin a war that you expect to win. Realize it's a battle. And remember the battle is in the mind. Begin with fasting and confession. Commit to have Christ wash your brain. Replace the devil's strongholds with God's. Make a covenant with your eyes. Remove provisions for defeat. Realize that winning a war means fighting many battles. Live in the fear and presence of God. Learn God's limitation to curiosity and use temptations as springboards for spiritual insights. Is what I've been sharing important? Yes. Is there hope for those who have fallen? Yes. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, or adulterers, or homosexuals, or sodomites, or thieves, or all that list will inherit the kingdom of God. But look at this great verse, verse 11. Read it with me. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How many can say, see that there's hope there? Amen. And look at this one. These are the ones who are not defiled with, for they are, these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He, and they were redeemed from among men. In other words, they were redeemed, which means what? They'd been lost once, and now they're seen in God's eyes as what? Virgins. No matter, they made a mistake, but now they're seen as what? I think it's pretty powerful. And if you make mistakes, you gain a victory. If you see these mistakes, regard them as beacons of warning. Thus you turn defeat into victory, disappointing the enemy and honoring your Redeemer. Our life goal is to pursue holiness, without which no one will see God. But the good news is, those who are pure in heart will see God. Amen. So rejoice, ye pure in heart. Rejoice, give thanks. And sing your festal banner wave on high, the cross of Christ, your King. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, this message was for all of us, for me included. We need the prayers of one another. And we want to be ready when the bell tolls. <laughs> Not just now, but at the end of time. Give us an experience with you, O oh Lord, just moment by moment. We claim your victory today. In Christ's name, amen. amen.